Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. As a major research institution, Arizona State University offers the most online bachelor's degree programs, along with world-class faculty and dedicated support. Discover why ASU is ranked number one in innovation for nine consecutive years. Tap to learn more. Welcome to the latest episode of the Writing the Gary Kelly's podcast. Well, as we all know, it's going to be a bit of a different show today. As we all know, Saturday's defeat to Spurs was Marcelo Bielsa's last game in charge of the club after nearly four years in charge. A tough one for many of us fans to take. Ultimately, the Argentine master paid the price for a few heavy losses and a seeming lack of confidence that the players were carrying with them. Whether or not it was the right decision, I think most fans would agree. We wish it, we could have had a better send-off. I think that's the least he deserved. So our aim is just to try and reflect on the positivity of his reign, everything that he brought back to the club, you know, having 16 years out of the Premier League, as well as share some of his favourite memories of Marcelo. So, to do this, we've got two stalwarts of ourselves, two mats. How are we, lads? Or that stupid question? Still in mourning, Dan. Still in mourning. I understand. What about you, Matt? Well, I think kid kind of get behind the American dream for a split second. Or a past match, I'll be also away in Trinity. You just got back in my throat again. <laughs> so, yeah. The permanent fixture, that now, Matt. I'll be also away, isn't it? I've just seen in Trinity, so... At least if we all want to go a bit pay a visit, we can all like tap the sign, can't we, and pay homage to the man. But <laughs> anyway, um, let's get started. So where to begin? Obviously, the reaction has been strong. Some fans astonished and disappointed in the way that it's been handled by the club. Some are sad. Some probably even support the decision. I've seen you know, a few fans been like, well, you pay the price for the results that you have. Um, but I think we should probably start in a positive light and look back at some of the better times because let's be honest when he first stepped through the door I don't think many of us knew what to expect you know some of us had heard of him some of us hadn't you know we knew that he was kind of like this maverick manager and I know a few clubs had hired these kind of managers before and it was just it just fell flat on its face but this was the first time Bielsa set foot in England Um, and I have to say that Stoke game was just a shock for me and I think a shock for all of English football, wasn't it? Like, how electric was that start to his reign? I remember, um, well, first of all, pre-season, when he came in, it was just that fear of unknown. Like, have you heard the playing, it's all about playing Calvin Phillips at centre-back. 
that with the conversation all pre-season. People playing Calvin Phillips at centre back, like absolutely no chance. How is that going to work? And I remember all pre-season just thinking, what are we going to expect here? I remember his Bill Ball team at Old Trafford when he did a job over at Manchester United in Europa League, uh, and I got a friend who was a Lille fan. And uh, didn't have a good time there, but he spoke very highly of his tactics and, and method of play. So it was just like a kind of fear of unknown. And obviously, August 2018 at Ellen Road, newly relegated Stoke from the Premier League, 1 to 11, had Premier League players plus a bench full of them. We're up against um, Paul Eckenbottom's 15th Championship side of, of the 17 18 season. And we honestly thought we were going to get an absolute battering, didn't we? Uh, but I just remember Click having an absolutely outstanding game that day, and uh, size as well were were just uh, out of this world. I think every player just seemed to uh, increase their ability by an extra 50-60% during that six-week pre-season that they all had with Bielsa. And uh, looking back on some of the interviews with the likes of Cooper and Ayling uh, and Bamford have said about, you know, it's probably one of the best six weeks of pre-season they've ever had in their career when he walked through the door with his coaching team, just completely transformed the whole culture of the football club. Uh, yeah, just like Matt said, you sort of didn't really, uh, you never really knew what to expect. Like obviously, he came with this, um, obviously came with a reputation of being heralded as like a god under Guardiola and Pochettino and many other greats of the game. And you sort of, you, you almost couldn't didn't imagine that he'd be able to do it with sort of a team that, you didn't really think the players would be sort of good enough to sort of step up to maybe his standards. There's always sometimes issues with that. People, um, people always say like good footballers never make um, sort of the best managers. But obviously Bielsa's standards and what he expected of everyone, not just on the pitch but off it. Um, you didn't really think that. You didn't really know whether like the top, sort of either cope or whether they'd be able to, like say like even off the pitch sort of um, meet his meet his demands on being. Um, he sort of he just basically wants everyone to be a good human, doesn't he? Basically, first and foremost, and then seems to that sort of transcends onto a pitch of being disciplined and sort of being um, good at the role that you've been given. And when he rocks up at that Stoke game, like Matt says, you you're looking at their team and thinking these are like nailed on for like a top two finish, sort of quick bounce back. They've got a <clears throat> decent squad with Premier League players, and then we sort of have made. An absolute mockery of them, didn't we? They sort of battered them from start start to finish, and you were like, you're almost like your breath was just taken away at sort of actually watching a Leeds United team that sort of played in not just sort of beat a team like that, but in the manner you were just like, we're not going to keep this up. And then it, obviously three, four, five weeks later, you're like, oh, we, we, I think we might have. We might be a good team here. We might probably. Um, we are worried about the sort of burnout thing that everyone always talks about. But um, come Christmas, we were um, like still flying, and you you just didn't think that we'd keep it up, did you? Really, even after that first game, it would just. It, well, it just brings a smile to your face now, just thinking about it, because you just like was so yeah. shocked watching the Leeds United team that was just so so good. And like Matt says, like click. Saez were just on another level that day and um, like every, everyone did the job and I'm pretty sure there were only um, I think, were there only Barry Douglas who was probably a new signer who played that game so it was yeah. basically um, it was basically the team that finished 15 plus a new left back which um, obviously made a slight, slight difference but it's not exactly like signing a 
uh, marquee number 10 sort of thing. No offence to uh, my favourite Barry in the world, but um, but yeah, you, you just, yeah, just breathtaking that sort of first month. You just couldn't believe what you were watching. Yeah, and I think most, a lot of fans were quite worried going into that game, weren't they? Not that, um, not through Bielsa mostly, but because of the lack of signings. And they just thought, well, this squad finished 15 and we've not strengthened it. And obviously we watched, well, the season before and we looked hopeless towards the end of the season, didn't we? And it was those players and we're just thinking, how were we meant to go up against, you know, this team of Stoke who didn't lose a lot of players when they came down and, you know, to go pretty much demolish them and then, I think we beat, I think we put four past Derby, didn't we, uh, a few weeks later. Um, you know, just playing the football they did. And I think it won the football was very good, but I think it was the, you know, it was that pressing that the championship probably just hadn't seen before. Those players, I, I mean, I can only think those Stoke players were just a little bit complacent coming into that, thinking, right, we've, you know, we've got the quality to do it. And then there's that famous uh, BBC Sport um comment wasn't it in the live play if uh, Click presses Joe Allen anymore he'll be back in Swansea or something and you know it was true as well like they just, they just couldn't cope with it and you know that's kind of stayed with uh, us you know even to stages of this season you know we've pressed um, it hasn't worked as well but you know we've pressed a lot of teams and at times you know we've been swarming them and it's, you know in the championship um, those first few weeks it was brilliant and it really got the fans on side because, you know, whilst it took the players, some of the players, a little time to get better individually, you could see the work that they were doing and, you know, that gets that gets us fans right on board, doesn't it? And, you know, it was just it was just an amazing start, um, pretty much. I mean, the biggest compliment I can give Bielsa is that that gets lost among op- opposition fans just how much he did actually improve every single player as you've kind of touched upon that and you know well um I mean I think back to Berardi and he was you know always seemed like a tough tackler bit of an industrial right back you know not comfortable on the ball but look what look what happened to him towards the back end he was playing centre-back a record when Berardi played centre-back was brilliant um you know he's comfortable on the ball he was playing out he was we signed him as a right back and you know, how has that happened? You know, that probably gets lost a little bit among, you know, obviously what happened, what has happened to Dallas and Calvin Phillips. But I think what he did to Berardi was incredible as well. Um, you know, and you can just, there's a whole list of players, isn't there, really, that have taken the next step under him. I think you can, like you say, you can say that for basically every single player, but there's always this sort of standout few where um, you never thought that they could even step up into sort of a sort of promotion pushing team or even a um or even now like to a Premier League um like a comfortable Premier League player. Obviously like you said, stuff might not have worked out as much in the last sort of three or four months, but he has made these um some of these what we thought were pretty bang average championship players um at the end of that um Heckingbottom spell into sort of <laughs> like comfortable players who were comfortable on the ball, knew what they were sort of doing on a pitch rather than what looked like when we used to watch just teams go out and look like they just pretend to play football um, like yeah, it's like Alien I think um, at the back end of that sort of hecking bottom era remember we conceded a boatload of goals down his side and like everyone was saying like this, that's like our weakness sort of that um, obviously his defence were never never great but that, like you say there's Berardi Cooper Alien Dallas you can basically name a few Click was 
out on loan in Holland, I think, when Bielsa was um, arriving. So he'd just come back, not even been involved with the um, with the first team for about six months. And like, you just, it's it, it, it still, you it, still can't believe what he's done with. Um, like I say, what we thought were pretty bang average um, players, but I think they all knew what they were getting when he first came. I think there's a story that um, Dallas and Cooper didn't, they? while they were on a pre-season holiday, just basically um, put all booze aside and said, like, this this guy's sort of serious. We need to put, get, put his act together. I think that was in, um, I think I read that, like, on The Athletic or something. So they sort of, I think I think from both sides, like, it's sort of, they bought into it before they even sort of met him. And vice versa, Bielsa had, um, I think he sort of grasped what, as a club, what we wanted, like you touched on it, as, a, as fans, we wanted effort first and foremost. Like that's what we thought, sort of felt that like we were getting let down on. And I, I guess in his a million hours of research before taking the job, he'll realise that that's what we. Obviously, it's the way his teams play, but he probably knew um, if we got some form of structure and um, basically ran his knackers off for ninety minutes every game, that we'd appreciate it rather than watching some team sort of sit behind the ball and play some. Sean Dyche, Sean Dyche, Sean Dyche way or just in teams on the break. Like, I mean, it, it, it was just like match made in heaven, wasn't it, really, when you like, look back on it all. Mm. So, what would be your biggest kind of, I mean, we've, took, we've kind of spoke about all the players now, but um, obviously um, you look at Calvin Phillips, could have left the club, you know, I mean, a lot of fans probably, if we lead to a sold him, they might have got a couple of million and might have been happy with that, a lot of fans. Um, you look at Liam Cooper, a lot of people didn't rate him at the time, now club captain, and you know, we're missing him a lot of the minute. Like you said, click out on loan, uh, established Premier League player. What would you say is the biggest success story for Bielsa in terms of that squad? Because you could pick you could pick out of uh, probably about 10, couldn't you, pretty much? I'd probably say Jack Clark. <laughs> you know what you're probably not wrong actually what did he make ran 10 million out of that and half, a, half a season out of him probably not even that not even that realistically jokes aside but we probably got what what you say half a dozen games 10 games out of him most off the bench a decent game against Villa Forest yeah. two decent games and then we got 10 million quid for him which helped us with financial fair play and kept us afloat plus a sale of roof <laughs> for our promotion season really when you think about it um, so and it funded Big Kev's loan Ben White uh, <laughs> you know so I'd mean, like say Jack, Jack Clark but on a, probably on a more serious I think you've note. opened my eyes there <laughs> to actually how much of a success story that was well you've got to think well, how much that 10 million went and, yeah. and how much it contributed towards our promotion season I think it goes a bit under radar Um but on a serious note, you've probably got to put it down to Calvin, haven't you? Has been one of the most success stories under Bielsa. I think we can all be honest as a fan base that no one really saw a place for him or a position for him at Leeds United at times because he, he was in and out. Uh, no one really knew what he was, whether he was a boxy box, whether he was an attacker, midfielder, um, could he play off the main striker, is he a centre-back? No one really knew what he was. I don't think he knew himself what he was. I think obviously Bielsa came in straight away and said, you're holding, you're sitting, I see you playing in front of him, shielding my back four or back three. 
and even playing it at times um, and completely transformed him as a footballer and you've got to look you know he's England's player of the year had a fantastic Euros talking a £50 million bid from West Ham probably going to be a ridiculous amount in the summer if we stay up uh, from one of the big boys as well you know he's, he's one of most England's out, you know most sought players at the moment you've got to think hasn't he so I think for me he's probably Calvin Phillips is one of the biggest success stories for under my Marcelo Bielsa and probably Jack Clark comes a close second. <laughs> I think Phillips is the obvious one, but he'd probably, um, well, I mean, like you say, you could pick loads out. Um, sort of, if, if Matt's taking two, then I'll sort of say two. <laughs> I think, I, I think, I think one of. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do, we'll do a special at the end of the rare players that fail. <laughs> Augustine, Peacock Farrell. Oh yeah, Quaver. Get that in. Pontus Janssen. Should we say Pontus Janssen? <laughs> he had his moments. I think, uh, on a serious note, I think one that sort of sort of goes under the radar a bit and probably sort of um, sort of sums the Bielsa up is like, he's probably one who's, I wouldn't put him top of the list, but like Jack Harrison. Like we sort of signed some sort of, we say no mark from, um, but let's put, he, he's sort of, Football in CV before we got him was that he'd played in the MOS. Sort of, he came over on loan to Middlesbrough. Well, um, <clears throat> was transferred between Man City's New York City and Manchester City um, for probably nothing because they own both teams, don't they? Um, and then went on loan to Middlesbrough. Didn't look like he could cut it at all. And we sort of took a gamble on um, someone like that. And Bielsa obviously. Well, between them all, sort of saw a player there that they could sort of mould, and I feel like in the last sort of, and you remember how frustrating he was when we first got him. Like mm. he won't, uh, he won't cross. Um, it was sort of, you can always see in his sort of see in his mind that he was sort of either one step ahead or one step behind himself and stuff, and he sort of divvied a lot. And then sort of, I think by the, um, especially last season, I think you sort of saw. In a lot of players, especially some, like Harrison, I think you saw. Um, so I feel like that was their like the most complete that they sort of got in that entire era. Like I think people forget like how clinical and stuff we were last last year. Like Harrison banging in like thirty yarders against Newcastle and stuff. Mm-hmm. Albeit like already four 0 up, but um, I think that like sort of I feel like his signing was sort of sort of epitomised sort of the entire era. But if I'd probably say. Um, Dallas is the one that stands out for me. Just the fact that when Bielsa came, it was a, a winger, sort of. It was like a workman, like winger, wasn't it? When Bielsa yeah, came, yeah, a winger with no output, weren't it? <laughs> yeah, much. and he wasn't. He's not exactly a fast. He's not like the fastest player in the world, um, which is what you basically need to be now to probably be a top winger at any level. Um, and we never really saw him in any other position, did we? I don't think until. Bielsa came and then all of a sudden he becomes this player who can play right back, left back, centre mid, um, probably flirted playing at number 10 probably at some point in um, some form of system. Uh, so I'd probably say him, but like, like I say, you could go through the entire squad, couldn't you, and say like Liam Cooper, uh, Click, anyone really. But obviously this, Phillips is probably top of the tree, but if you obviously don't want to repeat what Matt said, probably say those two, yeah. that sort of just epitomise the sort of the whole last three and a half three and a half, four years nearly. 
I think Dallas is a good one. Definitely, I agree with Dallas. I remember, again, again, similar to Calvin, you know, you look at Eckingbottom, you look at Steve Evans, um, he came in under Rosler, didn't he, Did Dallas? Uh, but the, he never really was first choice. He, he was always, a, again, a bit part player, an impact player, a winger, you know, creative player in a way, but not, they won't trust him as a first-teamer, I wouldn't say. I think Gary Monk probably got a bit out of him. But it wasn't until Bielsa obviously came in and, and yeah, Mr. Utility, a bit like Calvin. You know, I want you to play in a, a number of positions. And I remember at the time um, with Liverpool with James Milner's contract, we're up for renewal and we're all desperate to get him in, you know, back to the Premier League. Or potentially could have nearly got promoted to the Premier League. And Millie's contract were up in the summer and we're all desperate for him to come back. Absolutely. <clears throat> because he's that Mr. Utility player, Leeds legend, all, all that, that jazz. And obviously we never did. He extended his contract to Liverpool but in a way I think Dallas has obviously got the legs on, on Milner um, but again he's that utility player where right back left back left wing right wing centre mid which we all probably agree is his best position and probably yeah, get him up top if we can until this season he's, he's gone off the boil slightly like a lot of the players has but yeah I think Dallas for me has been, been great but from an international point of view as well for Northern Ireland he was phenomenal last year and the year yeah. before as well. I think he's, someone will probably correct, I'm sure he won Northern Ireland's Player of the Year as well, one of the years under Bielsa. So, yeah, he's definitely come a long way. Um, so, yeah, he's, for me, I think yeah, Dallas is Dallas is probably a close third behind Jack Clark. Because I know you've uh, mentioned internationals there, but you can probably count quite a few that won their first honours under Bielsa, can't you? I mean, we've obviously named Phillips, uh, Bamford, Click. Rafinha um, obviously Dallas has pressed on through Northern Ireland he was an international before you know there's talk about Luke Aylin getting called up and Jack Harrison potentially they wouldn't have been a world away last season obviously we in this country we have about 30 right backs um, so Aylin probably a bit more distant but you know it just shows I guess the art of coaching and the art of being a manager you know you mentioned like Steve Evans and all these people, you know, they'll have set tactics and they're like, right, you need to go say, play there. You know, their training will just all be around that. And I guess with Bielsa, obviously, you know, I don't know how I'm there, but, you know, a lot of it is honed in to play in your position. There's a lot of tactics to it, but it's also strength and conditioning because look at, look at what Calvin looks like now to what he was, you know, when he first came. You know, he's, he's a, well, he's pretty stacked out now, ain't he? And that could be said about a lot of the players. Um, and that is, I guess, why we understand the art of coaching now. You know, I guess it was when Chilino hired Heckingbottom, didn't he? And it was like, this guy's a coach. You know, he's not a manager. And we were like, what the fuck does that mean? Um, you know, it's like, I mean, he wasn't a very good coach, to be fair. But, um, you know, I guess the, um, does that mean Chilino was ahead of the curve and we gave him credit for? I don't actually know. Maybe there was something in that powder that he was having. But um, anyway. Move on. Um, so obviously, there's been a few um, lows to um, our recent fight included. Um, obviously, going back to the championship, which we're talking about, you know, Derby playoffs stand out. Um, obviously, it's a huge, probably one of the biggest lows. Uh, the other games, you know, defeat away to Forest, uh, that loss at QPR, was that the one where uh, Bielsa was seen in the tunnel? Correct me if I'm wrong. Crouching down. Um, oh, there was that one. 
And then obviously in the Premier League, you know, we've had a lot of heavy defeats this season. I think last season we kind of took the heavy defeats with a pinch of salt a lot of the time because, you know, we used to bounce back, didn't we? You know, we'd often get a result after being pummeled. But I guess this season, you know, that's where we've struggled really. Um, but, I mean, it's fair to say Bielsa is one of those whose philosophies won't work everywhere, but it just it just kind of clicked with us, didn't it? Um, despite all these lows, like he still maintained a lot of the support, which is quite rare, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think um, it's been a massive roller coaster, hasn't it? I think you've got to look at his record during his time at Leeds as well. Fifty-eight point eight six win percentage, uh, just short of the great Don Revis, which was just over fifty-three percent. You know, you've got to think, 74 wins, 24 draws, 42 losses. Yeah, there's been some tough ones during that, but it's been a fantastic era. But for me, it's great talking about win percentages, wins, loss, draws, what have you. But the style of football, uh, it's been an absolute dream to, to watch, hasn't it? Yeah. I think it must be so pleasing for him as a manager to see his hard work in training, his philosophy come come to life during ma- during matches. It's just downfall. It's just that one way of playing, isn't it? That kind of people have said it's stubborn, naive. You know, you're going up against, you know, an unforgiving league in the Premier League, and if you're just going to go gung ho and play one way all the way through the league, it's going to come back to bite you. And it definitely, definitely did this season. You know, the ability not to to change the man marking systems, defending the corners, you conceded the most goals in Premier League history in a single month. Um, I always talk about last season and we had them scrappy wins at Burnley away and Sheffield United where we just scrapped out a 1-0 win or a 2-0 win and I just don't think we've just done enough of that this season. It's just literally been, we're going to try and outscore you. You know, we'd be losing 3-0 and it's like, well, well, let's try and win this 4-3. Look at the Manchester United game, it's absolute crazy. Why not just shore up a little bit, kill the game? You know, a lot of teams do do that. We've seen the likes of Palace, Burnley's, your Norwich's, Leicester's, they all do it. They all kill the game, don't they? When they go up, they just shit house the way through the game. We never do that. We just try and think, oh, can we get free here? Or can we pull it back and get it to all? You know, it's just that kind of, you know, we'll outscore you mentality. It just not worked, has it? And it just probably needed someone just to say, try and kill this game or try and nick a 1-0 win. Or if you go 1-0 up, just shore up the defence. It just didn't seem enough of that, was it? And eventually came back to, to bite us this season. Me and my um, uh, mate who I go to games with sort of are always in this, we're always in the predicament of how we played. And we sort of came to the agreement that the way that Bielsa set us up, we'd always, yes, we might get annihilated by some of the big teams. um, But if we played that way against your likes of Norwich, Burnley, um, all the teams sort of down the bottom, you're always giving yourself the best opportunity to win um, a game of football because sort of you see with sort of Newcastle before Eddie Howe's come in, it, like even now they're playing sort of a bit more on the front foot and getting better results like under Steve Bruce. Sort of sticking ten men behind the ball and I think like that sort of era of football is like very slowly dying out. Uh, I think we joked about it the other week that like Burnley are sort of if Burnley got relegated, it'd probably <laughs> finally finally end uh, dinosaur football for good in the Premier League and everyone would be sort of playing like nice pretty patterns and everything but um, 
I think the way that we played and the way that we dominated um, the ball, you always had the best opportunity to win games against those sort of lower teams. Who And I just think if you park 10 men behind ball anyway, you're always going to get end up um, getting what you deserve, I always think. Like, if you just sort of sit on your own edge, your own area. I think there's a number of times that we've said it this year, like when we've played Wolves and Palace at home, like they're both just time-wasted from like 20th minute and we we, we scored two goals against them in um both in extra time and uh, Brentford were pretty similar on uh, when we nicked a point against them at home when Bamford scored it last minute and uh, I feel like that's sort of that summed up just why it was so much better to play the way that we did rather than um, yes it might be a bit different against these big teams but we did we did cause some problems in last year playing the way that we did like people forget we drew it against Man City at home won all drew against Liverpool and Man U at home uh, beats battered Spurs at home last year um, I just think basically it's probably like this year I just think it's a confidence thing where I think we just sort of um, that sort of got off to a slow start and I just feel we've always been playing catch up like I think people have just said like in pre-season and stuff it's just felt like we've always been sort of playing catch up this year and I feel that's what sort of boiled down to sort of it all sort of unravelling I think really and um, yeah but I, I, I mean I'm, I'm always, I'll always be um, happy that he sort of went down in his with his beliefs that that's how we, sh- we should play really I'd rather have that yeah. than someone who chops and changes every week and decides one week we're going to try and be a bit attacking and then sort of next week we're going to park 11 men behind ball for 90 minutes then uh, I liked it it was fun anyway you're on edge of your seat well stood up every time weren't you entertaining <laughs> yes. you, you want yeah, to go you to football would. games to be entertained that's all I, I always think yeah. I mean you have the benefit of going to pretty much most of his games, didn't you, Matt, really? You followed Amanda where so you've you know, you've probably been one of his lucky disciples that've seen, you know, the good ones and the bad ones. And, you know, I think yeah, we probably all his fans probably will look back in this era in a few years and just think, you know, how lucky we were, you know, and it just shows a lot of fans, you know, were willing to go down with be Elsa just because that is, you know, you want to sink or swim with him. You know, <laughs> and there's not many managers in world football now that would probably command that kind of respect from, you know, fans because, especially in Premier League, let's be honest, you know, it's like there's probably some Watford fans that might want Hodgson out by now or, you know, some, <laughs> you know, it, uh, you know, for some Norwich fans that want Smith out, you know, there's just kind of no, no loyalty anymore and no beliefs because, Managers don't get that chance to kind of create a bond with the club, do they? And Bielsa had that chance. And, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, he had a, you know, he, he feels a good bond with Leeds now. Obviously, you know, he's quite a reserved person, so we haven't really heard much of him since he's gone. But, you know, we all saw videos, you know, we all know how many people he thanked and and stuff. And I think, you know, you never know. You know that could be the last, kind of bond you have for a manager for, you know, five years. Um, you know, I think we had one with Grayson, didn't we? And he took us up. But then, you know, after that, not many since before Bielsa, was there? I think I think it's just a testament to him as well in terms of the kind of outpouring of emotions that after he'd been yeah. sacked, it's kind of unusual from a from a football club's perspective, isn't it? Because normally you get a, a proportion of the fan base that are kind of like, yeah, it's his time, it's done. You know, he should have gone in the summer, what have you. Uh, I remember Simon Grayson being very similar. A lot of people were gutted 
after Grayson left, he achieved some great things with it at Leeds United. And with the right back in, he could have continued that. And he's very unlucky. And, and it was very similar in a way of, in terms of, obviously, he didn't change a complete culture and rejuvenate a city as as, as Bielsa has done. But the, the similarities, the parallels are very similar where when Grayson left, it was very similar where people were just absolutely devastated. And it's very rare in a football club you do get that, where the fans are united in, in grief in a way after a sacking. And that just shows, you know, obviously... The, what the great man's done for this football club and yeah like Matt was saying about the attacking philosophy and it's been great and and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to going to Valley Parade when we're back in League One singing Marcelo Bielsa's name in five years time because um, I'm not saying it's it's over for us but I'm saying um, it's the end of an era and I think it's going to be very very hard to replicate what we've, what we've achieved these last three or four years if I'm honest yeah I do agree I mean, I guess we should probably touch on the sacking in a bit more detail. I know some journals were avoided the word sacking, didn't they? You know, a lot of people saying he's left. And then I think it was Graham Smythe from the YP said, you know, he has been sacked. And the kind of club kind of um, announced that he'd been sacked. But, you know, no, it'd be else. You know, he'd have probably offered to leave anyway. But he did, you know, I remember his press conference after Spurs. You know, he's still believed he could get Leeds going, didn't he, right to the end. So, and, you know, I guess that kind of touched on the sadness. You know, I'd have liked him to have seen out the season, I must admit. Um, I still firmly believe we'd have stayed up with him, you know, for the points we've kind of raised, you know, for the fact that we do uh, dominate a lot of games against the teams around us or below us. Um, but I guess for the recent results, saw the board panic and push the button. So, I mean... What did we think to the whole sacking? I mean, in all honesty. It was it was gonna go in the summer, wasn't it? I think we can agree on that. Yeah. I think we all know it was gonna go in the summer. I think after Everton I kinda I think I said to you, Matt, I think this is he's going now. There's he's he's not gonna he all if you look at throughout his career as a manager, he's always built on success. And I think if you finish ninth in a freak season, let's be honest, mm. you never he's never gonna build on that. I think the lack of investment in the summer you were talking about earlier about um, our last season, we just had that momentum and we we kind of went for it, didn't we? And I think we lacked that in the summer, that we just didn't have fresh bodies in just to come and lift the place, lift the players and and give the players like Click and Dallas and Ehrlich and just look over the shoulder and think, oh God, I could lose my place to this lad. But instead you've got an under-23 kid who's played zero football league games, who's waiting in the wings to take your place. You know, I don't think that really gives any player a motivation to think, well, I could have a bad game. I'll not be playing next week. Um, whereas when we came up, uh, you had like the likes of Rodrigo, you had Rafinha, uh, you had Lorente, you had Cock, they all came in um, into the team. So you knew that these were knocking on the door and looking at Cooper's place and looking at Stroik's place and um, Click, for example, as well. Um, but yeah, I just think... Um, it, you know, obviously the writing was on the wall for me after Everton. I think he should have stayed, like you said, Dan. I think you're looking at the next three, Leicester, Villa and Norwich. They're all winnable games in my eyes. Like Matt was saying, we always create, we always attack. We've got something, the likes of Burnley, Palace, well, not so much Villa because they've got Coutinho now. And Leicester haven't got at the moment. We create chances and we'll always we'll always get a goal in some aspects um, where the others will just try and nick a 1-0 or a 0-0 or just try and see out the game at the moment because they're just bad, in bad form. 
Um, but yeah, it's um, it's worrying as well, like the statements about how Jesse Marsh has always been the uh, the, the, the 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 manager that we, the, the club have always sounded out and earmarked, and it's kind of made me wonder if he's just been like loitering around, like hanging around, like outside McDonald's or has been bunking at the West Yorkshire Police Station across the road or doing a couple of twirls on the ice rink or just, you know, like is he literally just been like hanging around outside Ella Road waiting for Bielsa to get the bullet? Feels like he has. I think um, we don't really know how it's all gone down, but I was in the sort of mindset and I know it might not be the, I think a few people are sort of in this, the same sort of mindset is that I, I feel like he'd, he'd built up enough um, credit to go down fighting and he was it sounded like he was pretty adamant that he wanted like he was up for the fight of say so he, like he, he kept saying like I'm 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 still confident that I can get sort of best out of this squad and um, keep keep us up and he, he, I think once like Matt says I think <laughs> as it's been apparent that we're sort of going to be loitering around bottom which I think we all sort of agree that finishing ninth last year sort of it might set even like fans off on a sort of um not a like a mystical in in the red but like saying about europe and stuff like we were never gonna um we're never gonna come to that but i think like we all accepted that staying in the division was probably like the key thing this year even finishing sort of high bottom half of the table and i think once he'd sort of once that had been settled I think we knew that he'd go because, like we were saying, he's someone who once he if you felt like once he knew that he couldn't improve this set of players anymore, that he would go. And I feel like that's what it sort of started to come to this year. And like Matt said, it was probably pretty evident that he was going to go at the end of the year. Um, but I just feel like he'd. Um, I think I, f- I felt like he'd done enough to um, give himself the next what is it uh, two months, two and a bit months left at season, twelve games, thirteen games. Like we're all absolutely gutted when it came through, and after that Spurs game, you just sort of had that feeling, didn't you? Especially after that story broke from Philae, um, you just sort of your heart sank a little bit. You sort of felt sorry for him, like you sort of felt like you're saying, like we said, that there's been barely any investment. We don't really know what's gone on. Maybe if we stay up, we'll we'll probably get some explanations as to why we didn't sign X Y Z in January, or or like why we. Were why we got rid of him, it'll be a masterstroke. If we go down, everyone's probably going to want to set the boardroom on fire. Um, but yeah, I just feel like he'd, I just feel like he'd, he'd done enough to warrant um, warrant seeing the last two months out. And like my main concern is, is whether he, anyone else could get out of some of these players what he has over the last sort of even two years since we've stepped up. And I feel like that's my biggest concern is that even... We won't even have a transfer window before this, and uh, like some of these players could easy, easily regress into sort of habits that they had before Bielsa came. We don't know what, uh, but I think Jesse March seems like he's 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 going to have sort of a hard work. He's got that sort of hard working ethic in him, by the sounds of it, and sort of has a similar beliefs to Bielsa. So hopefully, sort of, it's a bit of a continuation. But like that's my sort of main concern is that some of these players, even this year, could get even worse than what they have been. Um, I don't know about you two, but but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a massive gamble. Um, but I'd, oh, long yeah. story short, I mean, I'd have kept it. <laughs> yeah, it's a big gamble. I mean, our WhatsApp group was blowing up, weren't it, by about ten o'clock when we thought it would 
been confirmed. A few choice words by some individuals like me. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I was still firmly behind him. I mean, what I think it's sad for me that the Spurs game probably was his last because, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's probably the only game under Bielsa where Leeds probably got booed. Obviously, I've not been at every game, but, you know, and I think, obviously, 3-0 down at half-time, three soft goals, you know, a lot of fans were a bit fed up after a few heavy losses, but it's just so sad, really, that that's probably his last experience of Ellen Road. Um, who knows if he'd ever come back, you know. Um, so, um, for me, personally, I think that's, you know, that's quite a low low moment Um under his reign, if that's been his last game, and I, I did think he he deserved. He, he, yeah, like Matt said, he should have had a bit more credit in the club and been allowed to turn this around. Because you know, I um, if he'd given up and if he thought, well, I can't do it, you know, fair play, you know, I'll walk away. And then you're bored well with it, right? Or you know, if he not, if he comes out and says there's not much more I can do, but you know, he was. I'm sure his work ethic hadn't changed. I'm sure he was still doing the same thing. Well, you know, not the same things, but, you know, the same, putting in the same work every day, um, you know. And, you know, I mean, I could talk about loads of, you know, that big presentation he did in Spygate proved, you know, opened everyone's eyes to how much work he puts in. And not just him, his staff, I think, you know, you we put a tweet out, didn't we, about, you know, just how hard all his staff work, you know, as well to actually work with Bielsa you know it's um it's a team thing and there's a lot of things that go on behind the works that probably didn't get the credit that they deserved didn't they I think you touched on it just then I think like the um the, before you said about the hard work that they've all put in I think the saddest thing is is that we'll never get to say as a fan base inside a obviously not everyone will get to say thank you but like sort of the, the lucky ones who went up to Far Parch and he came out on um, was it Saturday night, Sunday night, Sunday night, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> um, like they, they they got to say thank you, and like I think that's all all of us probably wanted to um, do, and he deserved. I think, like we say, we we touched on it in our um, we were all messaging on um, Saturday night. Like I think the saddest thing about it is is just going to sort of get driven down to Heathrow and. Go back to Argentina and throw his bags it, on the plane. <laughs> throw his bags on the plane, and he'll never get to. He'll never get to sort of have that sort of standing ovation in Ellen Road, and he'll never. Um, he won't get to go off in the sunset. Or all always, sort of. There'll be that sort of grey cloud over the end. How it all ended, and how yeah. some fans have uh, perceived it as sort of in potentially being sort of snakes behind his back, or yeah. um, or. Or whatever, not getting enough investment, or not getting enough backing. Did the fallout? We don't know. Like, did did Bielsa not want the signings and stuff? It's sort of like I say, one day it might come out. But I think that's sort of the sad thing is, is that uh, as a fan base, we'll never get to say thank you. And you sort of get the thing that I think he understood how appreciated he was, but I don't think he probably will understand how appreciated he was. Like, I think everyone, everyone would have. Everyone would probably travel to Buenos Aires or, uh, sorry, to Rosario to um, to go say thank you to him and line up outside his house. I think if it meant queuing up for about five days. Um, but yeah, I think that's like, sort of the sad truth of it all. Is that it's just the manner of how it all ended. Is just yeah. I don't think it's fair on any either side of it really. You kind of wanted that final hope game of the season, the kind of lap of honour with the players, didn't you? Um, yeah. 
Obviously. when we were nice and safe and you know. yeah unless unless Rad's got his desk out on the pitch and uh, signed the contract uh, like he like they used to do back in the back in the old days um, but yeah it is what it is but I guess you know we have to we have to move on um, yeah. and uh, I guess we will be doing in part two part two yes well um, that is the end of part one and coming up in part two, you'll all be excited about this. We go meg nuts, PKs and talk soccer ball as we look ahead to the Jesse Marsh era. meet our new dad now, which is Jesse Marsh, who strolled into Thorpe Arch to meet the players on Monday, or maybe even earlier if you believe the conspiracy theories, anyway. A fairly experienced coach now, he's managed some big players, he's won trophies, and seems a logical choice in terms of his footballing style being close to the Elsers. Um, so what are our thoughts on this appointment? I mean, he's, he's had ups and downs in his career, as most people have. Obviously, he got sacked by Leipzig not many months in charge um, but I'd suggest he needs to fast start to get the fans on side doesn't it? First of all just want to wish him the best of luck we need it, um, we need to his, his remits to keep his football club in the division this season and, and let's hope he can do that and everyone fans, players the whole club, everyone needs to get behind him and his coaching team because these are 12 cup finals we've got now from now to the end of the season Really, though, I'll be honest, I think it's a massively underwhelming appointment for us. I think whoever follows Bielsa, it's going to be a hard task for anybody. But in terms of Jesse Marsh and his footballing managerial career, it's not exactly screams out, I think, that he's gone out and, and kind of progressed and earned his crust in a way because he's worked for the Red Bull franchise. He's worked at that stable. You know, let's be honest, he, he cut his teeth at Red Bull's in New York um, and then he, he obviously moved to, to Red Bull Salzburg you know the club were quick to point out the match office that he's won there in Austria but let's be honest it's the equivalent of Celtic and Rangers in the Austrian division is is, is Salzburg they're head and shoulders above anything in that in that league um, so of course you've got to you've got to do a clean sweep of trophies and then obviously then he came to you know third and final Red Bull Red Bull um, Leipzig in Germany which you know wasn't uh, a, a successful tenure for him, 
But there's a pattern there where it's kind of within that stable, within that franchise, he's not really been tested and, and got off to a French club or a Dutch club or he's managed in England. You know, it's just kind of been in that bubble. It's like the City group. It's like just managing within the Manchester City group with all their franchise clubs. So it's a big test for him as well. And, and let's be honest, traditionally, American coaches uh, not really have ever been successful in Europe, let's be honest. You know, Bob Bradley at Swansea didn't have the best of time. Um <laughs> And I do, like I said at the beginning, and I wish him luck and he needs, to, he needs to, to get everyone behind him, but it's such a massive task to keep this football club in the league now. And I believe it's a three-year contract as well, which is massive um, commitment to him as well and his team. Um, but I just feel like, I feel like we needed someone who knew, I like this could come back to bite me, it's like the people who slapped Bielsa off when he got appointed. Um, but I probably don't think that's, that's going to happen here. I just think we just needed someone with a bit more experience within this country and this division, if I'm honest with you. Um, I just don't think his, his career so far as a manager, I feel like it's been handed to him um, and he's not really earned his crust, if, if that makes sense. But good luck to him, as I've said three or four times. <laughs> I think it's, it's hard, isn't it, either way. I mean, I don't think... If, if like We weren't ever going to get anyone better than Bielsa. Because let's face it, you're not going to. Well, we regard him in the sort of same light as your Guardiola's, your Chitinos, and they're never going to drop to. Um, with, in all honesty, they're not going to drop to bottom half of the Premier League. We're never going to sort of attract um, these people who, well, who sort of say Bielsa is their not mentor, but their uh, inspiration for their coaching and ideas and philosophies and stuff. Um, but like Matt said, it, it, it's it's been on the radar a bit, hasn't it? So he's sort of been sort of looking at his career and how like how he's moved through, like you're saying, through the Red Bull franchise. And yeah, you don't. I mean, I don't want to be too critical because obviously, like we could be proved wrong come Saturday. Could say, oh look, look, look a totally new team all of a sudden. But it's not. It's it's not a it's it's not a appointment where you think where you're getting off the edge of your seat thinking oh yeah we're in a we're sort of being put into good hands I mean if it, my my issue is is that if it goes really tits up like they're going to look like it, I'm saying now idiots like if it, but then again like we said it could be could be the biggest masterstroke that this board's had since appointing Bielsa um, you just don't know it's like any manager you could get we could have gone and got someone who's out of work um someone who's out of out of work and um, who's got experience in this league or in top five leagues in Europe in Champions League I mean Marsh has managed in the Champions League I think for Salzburg hasn't he and um, one thing I will say that you can say for him is that he's sort of blooded some talents such as like Hart Haaland had his trade at Salzburg um, Minamino who's now uh, been at Liverpool and Last season at Southampton, even like people were questioning him whether he was sort of cut up for the Premier League at Liverpool. And it turned out when he went out on loan to Southampton that he was up to it. Um, I think Mark, uh, Sadio Mane, I think, was at Salzburg as well at one point. They co- potentially coached him at some point. It, maybe not being as manager, but as a coach. I, don't, I can't remember, but I think someone did say that he um, has coached him. So you can say that he has been involved in the sort of progression and career path of some of quite good players in the last few years and that's sort of as like we were saying what Bielsa was brought in obviously to deliver promotion but what he had to do was 
Um, because we didn't have a massive budget to work with, we had to improve a boatload of players, and that's sort of what we basically need in someone. And um, I think that's sort of where the appointment's coming from. But like I say, I think it, it, it's like any appointment or any transfer on paper, it can look good or bad. You missed um, <clears throat> two players out there as, as well, Matt. You've got um, Lloyd Sam and Mike Grella at New York Red Bulls as New well. New York Red Bulls, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Has it managed Sherry Henry? Uh, I'm not sure if I'm with them, probably, but don't forget Haaland as well. It uh, was at the um, at Salzburg um, under um, Jesse Marsh in some capacity. But that goes back to my point in the beginning that, that that's what they do. They scoop up young talent. They've got a great squad of young talent coming through their clubs and that's what they do. Salzburg will move them on to Leipzig, same in America as well. And it's just, that's what they do. And he's just in the, the right place at the right time. And he was a prodigy of that, that Red Bull group, wasn't it? But that's what I'm saying about how he just has hand, handed into him at all three clubs. He's not earned his crust in a way. He's kind of been just moved from club to club to club, which on paper... You can put as many emojis with trophies as you want, saying he's won this, won that and that. But look at the finances. Look at the club in general, what it's done. It's completely whitewashed um, or sport-washed the league in, in, in Germany and in Austria. They don't recognise the, the Red Bull groups at all, do they? They, they frown upon it. Um, and a little bit in, in New York as well. So it's a massive task for him. And, and like I said, good luck to him. But it would have been nice to see like Eddie Lewis coming as his number two or... <laughs> oh my grill we is like performance director or... <laughs> we were saying this a few pods ago weren't we we were going through all the American players yeah yeah and we did who would have known we were ahead of the curve weren't we yeah what was it Gloria Arish yeah, I really be I can't, I can't say his name it was that guy Eric um, I could be defender coach yeah who could be the PK coach FK coach would be out of the Lewis yeah yeah, we were we were talking about actually a minute ago, weren't we? Like you know his uh, career honours, and I've got a book in front of me. We've got Supporter Shield, everyone. That, MLS that's the one I was on about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and obviously two Austrian Bundesligas and two Austrian cups. So looks like there's some doubles there. Um, and then as a player, two Supporter Shields, three at MLS Cups, and four US Opens. I thought that was wow. tennis personally, but. Um, you know, again, I, actually, um, did you see? I mean, I was on, I was on the fence about Jesse Marsh until I saw this video back in 2007 when he snapped David Beckham. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that when Beckham came on a turn? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Beckham so angry, actually. Well, it I talks about his press conference. All he talks about was aggression, fight. Yeah. And I saw I that clip of this. Yeah, did, did see that, yeah. And that clip of the Seattle Sounders fans where they're going, fight! <laughs> and win! And win! There's, there's also, just to get in our sort of good books, there is the, um, the obviously the Beckham thing. And um, apparently when New York Red Bulls battered New York City one game, apparently Frank Lampard took yes. a lot of stick. And it also turns out that they had a bit of a feud, I think, in the when they played each other, when Lampard were manager at Chelsea and mm. um, Marsh was manager at Salzburg. So he sort of has a, um, I think he's got the fan shithouser DNA in him. So I did, if you I, think it, if, if you've got that, I think you've got, you've always got a chance. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's, 
there's a few there's a few boxes being ticked in there. He, he talks well. He is a great opening um, press conference. Well, it wasn't really a press conference, was it? Interview. I love the talk of aggression and fighting United and, and getting it. Such a massive task for him, isn't it? Following Bielsa. But I tell you what, if he can create an us, us versus them mentality, uh, you know, side before self, if he can really envision that, then we'll back him to the high heels. If we can play that first game at Leicester in the first five minutes and he gets a few, few challenges put in by players. You know, you'll know that every single Leeds fan will be behind. Because you all going back to Spurs, you just wanted that little bit, a bit of fight about them, didn't you? You wanted a bit of yeah. a bit about it. They just didn't seem they had any of that. But if you can bring a bit of aggression, control the aggression, then then we'll we'll all get right behind that. So I think the advantage Daddy does have is I know um, we've kind of said the worry is that the players might regress under him but theoretically you know these players are there the players are there they know that they can play in the Premier League if you can cheer us up at the back a little bit but still keep you know the elements that the players are good at which is the pressing the you know the running um, you know and, and I mean he said he said didn't he that he's not man to man but he is very much it does seem like they're going to press from the front Um you know, that might help us defensively and hopefully not take a kind of sting out of our attack because that's what we don't want. You know, we've said under Bielsa, we love, you know, how attacking we were. But, you know, we might see better games from like Strike, Lorente, um, Ailing, if they don't have to chase their man, you know, into the other half. But, you know, um, leave that to kind of like the front line, you know, it's obviously we don't really know what we're going to expect. It's going to be an interesting one, but um, I guess his, his first task is to stop us conceding three, so that we have to score four, you know, to win a game, or in some cases six. Um, so yeah, it'll be an interesting one. But yeah, I, I agree with Matt. I think he spoke pretty well um, in his first presser. But obviously, he's, it's not a, a holiday, is it? Now he's going to get straight back into it, and he's. You know, he can't really have any games to get into it. You know, we need to go into that game at the weekend and we need, you know, we could do it. If we don't get a result, it needs to be a positive performance at least, you know, after, because, you know, you could see against Spurs, the heads were dropping a little bit, you know, oh no, another pummeling. So I guess that's going to be his, his key thing. So I guess, obviously we've got Leicester looking ahead quickly, but I guess it's too... Two home games, they're the big ones, aren't they? Filler and Norwich, that, you know, four points minimum, probably six. You know, throwing a bonus point for a touchdown, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think on on Saturday you just want a you just want a performance, don't you? It's like a solid performance that I mean, we obviously want to win the game or take a point out of it, but um I mean, if we do lose, you don't want to. Uh, the worst thing that could happen is is we sort of lose in the same fashion as that we've been losing in the last sort of um, two or three weeks. Where because I think like at, at Liverpool, I think sort of people forgot um, like that first ten fifteen minutes we were actually all right, but then as soon as the um, handball and penalty were given or PK as we're now as we're now calling them. Um, as soon as they, that were given, like you just knew what were coming, like that were it. You sort of heads were down, that were it. We're going to get battered now. Um, although we did end up scoring a goal from an offside position, but then like sort of when um, 
the second one in at Liverpool, that's when you sort of knew when we were going to be on the end of a tank and you just sort of hope they don't have that that same mindset that that sort of you felt on um, on Saturday against Spurs where as soon as they got a sniffle, once they got one goal, you just knew two, three coming. And I think if that happens again, then it's like the worst case scenario, isn't it? I think because it, regardless of the result, you just need some form of gritty, stuck, get stuck in performance. Um, and like Matt says, just get the fans on side. Well, they already are on side. But you, yeah, you, you've got to just give a good first impression, haven't you? And give, give a bit of aggression. Yeah, that's all we can ask for, really, isn't it? As long as, like we were saying, um, I think that more than any other fan base, this one appreciates uh, effort um, a lot. And I think there's been a lot of players, a good, we've had a lot of good players in the last few years that have sort of fallen by the wayside because they don't have it. And I think that's what sort of good about the Elsa, that I just got rid of them. Um, and that's all we can ask for, really, on Saturday. And fingers fingers crossed I'll be I'll be in that away end for a, um, a win on the new era. And not a 7-0 battery. Yeah. <laughs> so what, uh, quickly before we wrap it up, uh, predictions Saturday? I think um, first quarter, I reckon we'd probably go in at 0-0. I think after a couple of timeouts and a bonus point, we will probably go into the first half. Time break, show. What's it called? Second down. Do you reckon the 49ers have talked um, the Leicester's, Leicester owners into having Kasabian as a half-time show? <laughs> <laughs> we can battle to be fair, it's... <laughs> 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 it could be like, a bit like Royal Rumble. Get Vince McMahon yeah. involved. <laughs> he can buy Rads as <laughs> half. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, if... If the Americans get half-time entertainment back at Ellen Road, I'm all for it. Dizzy penalties. We're back, Top right? Cat. Oh, yeah. Mascot race. I don't know. Some better food at Ellen Road. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot we can improve, isn't there? Might be having a few corn dogs. Corn dogs, yeah. Corn dogs. Well, so far, we've not predicted much about the game, but we've predicted what might happen at half-time. <laughs> yeah. We're thinking battle during, of the band. During the 2022-23 season, when <laughs> when we have an overhaul of our uh, concession stats. Yeah. And then when we're in the championship, lose all season tickets and there's like 10,000 people. Well, as long as we don't bring pie tax back, we'll be all right. With <laughs> <laughs> Pete. Well, we should probably end it there for today. So Leeds are back in action on Saturday lunchtime against Leicester and as Matt has said many, many times, Good luck to Jesse Marsh in his first game as boss. But I guess all that's left for us to say is after 1,353 days in charge, 80 wins, one championship title and a million memories, Bielsa has finally left the building. And thank you, Marcelo. Nearly setting me up.
Sports Social Podcast Network.